Welcome to the Women in Work podcast, the show that inspires you to confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. I'm Courtney Moore. And I'm Missy Branch. We want to introduce you to women who, through their own unique vocations, are seeing what they do make an eternal difference. And we pray these conversations will inspire you in your own calling to honor God, to image Him to the world through your work, and to leverage your potential for His glory. Thank you so much for joining us today. Before we jump into conversation with our guests today, we want to thank the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary for sponsoring this episode. New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary and Level College desire for women to be theologically grounded servants of Jesus who abide in the Word. Their heart is to help women answer God's call to ministry leadership. If that sounds like you, then today visit prepareher.com. Thank you so much, New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. Welcome to the podcast today, you guys. Missy and I have an extra special guest. We say that about every person who comes on, but today she really, (laughs) we really do mean it. We have with us Dr. Tara Dew. Dr. Tara Dew, welcome to the show. Thank you, ladies. What a joy it is to be here with you today. It's exciting. I know. Well, let me tell you guys about Dr. Dew. Tara has loved Jesus for as long as she can remember. She was saved as a child at a Billy Graham crusade, which is so special. Then she surrendered to the ministry as a teenager. A few years later, she married her high school sweetheart, Doctor, also Dr. Dew, Dr. Jamie Dew, who is now the president of New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary and Level College. Together, the Dews have two sets of twins, Natalie and Nathan, who are 14 years old, and Samuel and Samantha, who are 12 years old. Tara loves spending time with her family, trying out new restaurants in New Orleans, and teaching women to know and love the Word of God. She is the director of Thrive, which is a ministry-wide certificate program, as well as she's an adjunct professor of ministry to women at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. She also is a contributing author to the book, The Whole Woman, Ministering to Her Heart, Soul, Mind, and Strength, which was just recently published by B&H Publishing. So, Dr. Dew, welcome to the show. Yes. <laughs> so glad to be here with y'all. I think it's super special for me, Tara, because we've gotten to spend so much time together doing ministry, watching me, watching you do ministry. And this is a sidebar. You know nothing that, about what I'm about to say. But when I first started working here at Southeastern, when I was looking for resources, how am I supposed to do this job? You, Tara, one of the first people to just come alongside me and to resource me. And so all the things that I'm doing now, I really am like, Tara do made sure I had what I needed. And it's such a sweet, sweet blessing. So I'm oh, grateful for you, my friend. Girl, I'm so thankful for the years we've served together. And I am so, so thankful for what you're doing at Southeastern. It's just a sweet <laughs> thing. Okay. What we do at the beginning of all of our podcasts is we do a thing called rapid fire questions where we kind of ask fun questions. So you ready to get started with those? Oh, I'm ready. This is going to be okay. Okay. So your first question, the first question is, as a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I always wanted to be a teacher. As a matter of fact, I'd line up all my stuffed animals from the time I was 
was four and five years old and I would teach them all. So I have always wanted to be a teacher. You are walking in your true calling. (laughs) No doubt about it. That's beautiful. All right, Tara, what was your first job? My first job was babysitting. Sure. I loved babysitting. And so when I was 12, I started helping out a mom that was a couple of doors down. And that was my main job all through high school and even into college. So I Babysitting was just my thing. There you go. I love it. Well, what kind of work do you want to be doing when you're 80 years old? Oh, my goodness. Well, I pray that I make it to 80 (laughs) (laughs) and that I'm healthy enough. But I believe that there's no retirement for Christians. And so until God calls us home, we are to be ministering. And so I pray that at that time we would be ministering well wherever God has us in the local church and hopefully to our children, grandchildren, and maybe even great grandchildren at that point. So (laughs) you may get to do a little babysitting then you can wrap That's the question right. up. That's there right. you go. <laughs> Beginning and end. I love it. Well, Tara, yeah. I wanted to just briefly mention before we jump into these questions is I had heard about you from Amy Whitfield because oh, my you friend. guys are BFFs. Yeah. And I... I just knew about you and then randomly just, I will call it the providence of God, sat next to you. Mm-hmm. Actually, Missy, you were on a panel. We were listening right. to you on a panel at the Southern Baptist okay. Convention last year oh, yes. in okay. Nashville. And I came in just a couple of minutes late and there was a seat next to Tara. And I knew that was Tara. And I was like, oh, yes, I want to sit next to her. And Tara, you were so sweet to me. I have to tell you, I was blown away at how kind you were because you really, you didn't know me from anybody and you were so sweet. And if you remember, you encouraged me. My husband had just bought an RV, a recreational vehicle, and um, you encouraged me in the RV life and were so gracious. I mean, we exchanged cell phone, cell numbers. And I was like, this girl is legit as can be. And I just loved you from the minute I saw you. So oh, I'm so happy to have you on. Lord for empty seats. And I had walked in late as well, my friend. Oh. So <laughs> we didn't miss much of the panel. I promise you. We were there for most of it. But, uh, but I think it was the providence of the Lord that Courtney and I got to sit beside each other. And I've just been so thankful for that. Me too. Me too. Okay. So we want to hear a little bit more about you. Tell us about where you grew up. Um, you talked a, a little bit in your bio about how you came to faith. Tell us about this Billy Graham crusade and yep. mention again, two sets of twins, Tara. I know, I know. So I was born in Florida, Boca Raton, Florida, very South Florida. And my mom and dad had come to know the Lord in college. And so I often joke that we were at our church every time the doors were open. My mom and dad were so involved. I can remember Michael W. Smith and Amy Grant Music and Stephen Curtis Chapman constantly on repeat in our house. I would dress up in my leotards and tights and just dance, you know, across the (laughs) living room to Amy, Amy Grant. And um, so at five years old, um, there was a Billy Graham crusade happening and Bobby Bowden was going to be sharing his testimony. And my grandma and grandpa were huge FSU fans. And so my mom got tickets for me and her and my grandma and grandpa to go to this Billy Graham crusade because Bobby Bowden was going to be there sharing his testimony. Well, at the end of the night, I can remember Billy Graham just explaining so clearly the gospel. And I looked at my grandma 
and I said, have you accepted Jesus into your heart? And she said, no, I haven't, but I want to. And I said, me too. So my grandma, who was 55, and me, who was five, we walked down together and accepted the Lord. Um, And so God just used Bobby Bowden's testimony to save me and my grandma. And now I really, at that point, you know, was not a bad child, but I really knew that I had to make it personal. And, And Jesus had to be my Savior, not just my mom and dad's, but mine. And that I had to make the decision to follow him with everything in me. And so I can remember, you know, of course, going to church, going to vacation, Bible school, all those things. But it was really in middle school when my faith became personal in a way that I took responsibility for it. And I started reading my Bible. I had an NIV student Bible. Yes. I remember highlighting, you know, when yes. I would read things and just tearing up those pages. And that was really when God captured my heart for his word. Um, And then it was in high school that um, I was at a Clayton King youth camp called Crossroads. He is a still an evangelist and speaker today. And it was a Tuesday night. And I can remember him offering a call to ministry. And there was something happening in my soul that I could not stay in my seat anymore. It was like just drawing me forward. And I can remember going forward and the counselor saying, what do you feel called to do? What what do you think God is telling you to do? And I said, I don't know. I just know that I want to spend the rest of my life serving him. I don't know if that means I'm going to be a missionary. Is that going to be that I'm just going to be a teacher that uses my classroom as a mission field? Am I going to marry somebody in the ministry? I really didn't know. Um, So Jamie and I were in the same youth group. He had already experienced a call to ministry. Um, And then my call to ministry just really drew our hearts together. And we ended up getting married. Uh, Well, I was still a sophomore in college. He had just started his first year of seminary. Uh, But we knew we could serve the Lord better together than we could apart. And so we got married young. We called ourselves the dueling laptops because I'd be working on my undergrad. He'd be working on his master's. And then I can remember when I graduated with my undergrad in education and I got that first teaching job. We were so rich, y'all. We had <laughs> four, you know, college seminary students. Yes. And, um, and I often joke that we lived in the attic of a duplex. Um, literally, I could sit on the toilet and move clothes from the washer to the dryer. <laughs> I can remember one time he went to Subway for lunch and I got so mad at him. And I was like, we can't afford a six-inch sub. What are you doing? You know? And then I got this teaching job and I was like, we are so wealthy. And and so then I was a teacher. He was still working on his master's. He ended up becoming a pastor shortly thereafter. Um, And then we were really rich because we both had full-time jobs and we were living in this parsonage and we literally had our bedroom furniture and then two empty bedrooms. So we had the ironing board in one bedroom. (laughs) We had our suitcases in the other bedroom, (laughs) but um, he was a pastor that he started working on his doctorate and I was uh, just teaching. And then we got pregnant with our first set of twins. Twins run in my side of the family. They come from my maternal, my paternal grandmother, but we were still really shocked when uh, we were pregnant with twins. And so when they were 
were born, we made the decision for me to stay at home with them. And so Jamie was still pastoring. At this point, he started working on his doctorate at Southeastern Seminary. And I was a stay-at-home mom. And then I got pregnant with our second set of twins. And the doctor said we would just keep getting pregnant with twins. And so we decided, well, two by two, we're going to be done. Our hearts and our hands are full. But needless to say, my teaching license was about to expire. And so I decided to go back for my master's in order to keep my license current. So that's when I started my master's of education. Okay. And um, anyway, ended up finishing that about the same time that Jamie finished his PhD. And, um, and then that's when God led me to start my doctorate of education um, because he became a full-time faculty member at Southeastern, which meant I was able to take classes for free. And so anyway, I'll be able to tell that story later if we have time, but mm-hmm. needless to say, uh, God and his grace ended up um, taking just this young girl who loved Jesus and was saved at a Billy Graham crusade, ended up being called to ministry and then marrying my high school sweetheart, who was also called to ministry. And we've had the blessing and privilege of serving him in so many ways throughout all the years. All right. Well, I think it's amazing that you met your husband in high school and that you all were high school sweethearts and have had such a similar just walk forward with the Lord and serving in in these various roles. And so you you mentioned that you were a teacher. And I I totally think that every person listening to this who's ever been in seminary understands what it is to be seminary poor. (laughs) And then that first job, it is like, no matter what it is, it's like, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. we can, we can go out to dinner. That's right. Um, And so walk us through, I mean, he's had these different positions, pastor, he's been, was he also a professor? Yes. A professor. Yes. Now and he's. A dean. Oh, and a uh-huh. dean. Okay. Yeah. Now he's right. president of a seminary. I mean, did you ever right. see it coming that you would be a first lady of a seminary, Tara? Never, 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 never. Okay. But because both of our families, you know, I moved to North Carolina when I was eight. My dad was transferred with his job, and that's where Jamie always lived. And so North Carolina's our home. That's where all of our family is. Wow. That's where our spiritual roots are. We were both baptized in the same church. We both built mm. a full ministry in the same church. Um, Love that. Southeastern Seminary is where he did his master's and his doctorate work. It's where I did my doctorate work. So when God um, opened the door for him to move, from the pastorate into the academic role of a professor, that was a little bit of a scary shift for me because I loved being a pastor's wife. I loved being um, involved with the ladies of my church, but I can just remember um, feeling like God was so clearly calling him into the academy and that we had to be obedient to follow. And I didn't know what my role would look like as a professor's wife at Southeastern, Uh but I just knew that at a seminary, you are training the leaders who will then go into the churches. And so it kind of became a multiplying ministry for us. Um, And so he was a professor for a year, and then he became the dean of the college at Southeastern. So he got to really reshape some of the curriculum and the student life of the college, and that really gave us a great place to serve together. We had college students in our house every Tuesday night. Um, We got to just pour into those college students. And then his role at Southeastern changed to become a vice president of undergraduate education, distance learning. Um, and then the prison programs. Um, And he did that role for several years. And we 
thought that's where we were going to be forever. We were so happy. We loved uh, being there. We were seeing God move in such amazing ways. And our life changed totally um, in January of 2019 when the search committee at New Orleans Seminary reached out to him. It was not something that he applied for. It was not something that he was ever seeking or even um you know, doing his ministry roles, looking for something like this as a stepping stone. It just was never even on our radar. Um, But I can remember after intense seasons of prayer, him just feeling like I need to talk to the search committee. And um, and then over a process of about four months, um, we were clinging to a life that we loved and we felt God saying, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And we keep leaving a place that we loved, but we knew God was really calling us clearly to come and invest here at New Orleans Seminary. And so we began praying, God, would you just give us a heart for this city and the seminary and this people? And that is something that he has answered. And so throughout every role that Jamie has had, I have absolutely loved serving alongside him and ministering to the women in whatever context uh, we found ourselves in. Tara, this This is so good because I think with a lot of the women in this, it's particularly who we just run into, a lot of the women feel like I'm settled. Things are good. Like, why would I make a change? What, what, what do I need to do differently? And all of us have experienced, nope, pack up, move uh, (laughs) another part of the country and do something different. (laughs) And so there's the encouragement that God is able to meet us. Yes, he's here where we are and we're comfortable and we love it, but he is certainly going to meet us where he takes us. And so that's so encouraging. That's exactly right. And I can remember us just crying with our children when we were telling them about what God was stirring in our hearts. And we told them when the search committee had narrowed it to just Jamie and we had a discussion with them. And and my son, Nathan, who was um, 12 at the time, he said, you know, mom, in the Old Testament, the Israelites would have to pack up and move when the cloud moved. And he said, and I just really feel like our cloud is moving. Wow. wow. There are times in your life wow. that your children preach the gospel back to you. Yeah, that's be- I and got that chills. was one of them that it just sunk down so deep because it was so clear that our cloud had been there and that was exactly where we were supposed to be. But when your cloud moves, you have to be obedient to follow because we want to be where he is. Absolutely. And if we stay where we're not supposed to be, that's not going to be good for anybody. But if we follow in obedience and we go where he's calling us, our life will be richer and fuller than we ever dreamed it could be. And he has been preparing us without us even knowing for what he has prepared for Hmm. us. And so as you just trust him and follow him, knowing that he is worthy of us laying down everything for him, he blesses abundantly. I love it. Well, and that's a New Orleans, the culture there is so very different from (laughs) North Carolina. I mean, that's a steep learning curve. In particular. (laughs) But I love what you said that you prayed and you just asked God, help us to learn this place and love this place. I mean, that's. And that is a prayer that He 
has answered more than I could ever imagine. You know, I had only heard horrible things about New Orleans. Um, I really had before coming here. And when I got here, I was absolutely blown away. This is a beautiful city. Mm. There is a beautiful people here who are strong and who are resilient and who celebrate life. There is art and music and culture and food. I mean, y'all, right. it is unlike anything, but in the beauty there is extreme brokenness. There is wealth and there is poverty. There is entrepreneurs and there is homelessness. There is um, Americans and there are all sorts of internationals. We have 140 nations in our city. We have so many different religions that you pass by. And so it is unlike anywhere I've ever lived. But I love it here. And I see how God's light is shining in this city and how it is shining in this darkness. And if we, we're praying that God would just do a work in the city of New Orleans because we know that it will then spread because this is a cultural hub. It's a cultural center. And I can see why Southern Baptists put a seminary right here because not only are our students learning in our classrooms, but they're learning just by being in the city. And that's why we say, Prepare here, serve anywhere. Because if you can serve in the city of New Orleans, you can serve anywhere. We've got urban and rural. We've got yes. and, <laughs> and cultural, you know. And so um, God has given us eyes to see what he is doing in this place. And I think it is just such an answer to our prayers because we are clearly blooming where he is planted. Absolutely. Well, at a certain point in your in your um introduction, you kind of told us that like you had gotten your teaching degree and you were, it was going to expire. So you were making this decision. And I know you didn't just say, oh, look, the third is going to desire I'm going to school. Like it's going to expire. I'm going to school. I know there was a lot of thought that went through that that process because school had been like a (laughs) thing for you guys for a long time. Um, So talk to us about that decision when you felt led to go back to school and how you guys came to that that decision at that time. Yeah. So, I mean, my license was the catalyst to doing that, but also in addition to that, I had been a pastor's wife for nine years and I Mm. had been serving the ladies of my church. I had been teaching Bible studies. I had been speaking at mobs groups and I had Mm -hmm. been working to put Jamie through school. And so when the opportunity came for me to be able to take classes at Southeastern, because I was now a professor's wife. Mm-hmm. I signed up for Old Testament because I was like, I, I don't know enough about this. I got yes. and my mind was blown. It was just the most beautiful thing. And so then I signed up for New Testament. Then I signed up for theology. Then I signed up for church history. And Jamie said, you know, honey, you probably should be working like toward a degree. <laughs> <laughs> Wisdom. Let's start putting these classes toward something. And so awesome. the doctorate of education was just a natural stepping stone for me because my whole background had been education. So I had my undergrad in education. I had my master's in education. So the doctorate of education just made sense. And so for me, it it stemmed from a desire to just have that theological foundation because I didn't want to be a woman who was teaching God's word incorrectly, knowing that teachers are judged more strictly. And I had never had the opportunity to go 
to a seminary classroom before, I had been working to put him through. And so when the opportunity was given to me, I just latched onto it and I took it. And um, when I got done with my coursework, um, my advisor said, well, now it's time to write the dissertation. What do you want to write about? And I said, well, I want to one, I wonder, are there other women like me that work to put their husbands through school and yet had never even had an opportunity to take a class themselves? And so I specifically great. looked at spouses of our graduates, so ministry wives. And um, if we have time, I'd, I'd love to share more about that. We so. want to hear about that for sure. <laughs> okay, so at this point, when you started going back and taking these doctorate of education classes, how old were your kids? Did you have all four kids at this point? How were you? And plus, you were homeschooling, correct? That's right. So I had a, I had two-year-olds. And five-year-olds oh my when gosh. I started my Doctor of Education. But when kids are little, they go to bed fairly right. early. And so I worked on my school after they'd go to bed. And mm-hmm. um, and that's when I did all my schoolwork. And so I still had my days with them. But I just did school in the evenings. And I, I just methodically worked through the degree one class at a time. And... Um, and I did it at night when they were sleeping. And I think so many, so many people ask the question, well, how do you balance things? And I don't like the word balance at all. <laughs> it implies a scale. So if you give more time to one thing, then that means this suffers. Right. Or that if this is more important than this one is less important. And so I don't like that word because I think with ministry, I think with our faith, It is not an either or. We're all in for the Lord. And so I like the word intentionality a lot better. We need to be intentional Mm. women with how we spend our time. And so knowing that I am a daughter of the King first, I never want to let that fall by the wayside. So Mm -hmm. my own abiding and spiritual walk with the Lord has to come first. Second, I'm called to be a a good wife and mom. And so I need to be prioritizing my time with them prioritizing the efforts that I'm pouring into them, knowing that they're souls that I'm discipling. And so I need to do that. And then third, I knew that God was calling me to take these classes. And so I didn't want my family to ever feel like school was more important than them. So I gave up things like movies and Netflix and TV and just for several years would spend that time at night instead of just vegging out actually reading the books, writing the papers, doing all the things. And I, and I tell women all the time, you can do anything for a short period of time. It's true. Right. If this is the season that God is calling you to. If he's calling you to do this, then you be obedient to follow in that. And you be intentional with how you're going to spend your time and press forward knowing that God's calling you to do that. It takes sacrifice and willingness. And just like you said, intentionality, you have to make choices but look how it paid off. I mean, yes. So, <laughs> that's right. Tara, so when you said that you, at the end of, obviously you have to write a dissertation to get this, yep. your degree, your doctorate. Um, and I remember you working on this. I remember you sending out surveys on things and I thought it was really beautiful what your focus on. Your focus was on pastor's wives, right? right. And right. talk to us a little bit about that. And then could you share with us your findings? Absolutely. So I I really was seeking to find out how many pastor's wives or ministry wives were like me. How many of them worked as their husbands went to school and then found themselves in a church with these expectations and these responsibilities that they were not prepared 
prepared for. So I did a focus group of 15 pastors' wives to just find out their experiences. And from that, I built a survey and sent it out. I had 711 pastors' wives respond from all over the United States. I had every state represented. I had every size church from less than 50 to over 10,000. I had churches that were traditional churches and church plants. I had them in urban, rural, and suburban areas. Um, I even asked what music style their church had to just kind of find out the history. So I had some that had very traditional music. I had some that had contemporary music. Um, I asked them if their husband had gone to seminary. And what I found uh, was exactly what I thought I was going to find. Our ministry wives are very busy. Over 65% of them also have a job outside of the church because their husbands don't make enough to support their family. Over 50% of them were raising children in the home. And a majority, I think the the percentage was like 80 or 90%, were giving more than 15 hours a week to their church. Some of them had up to 27 jobs in their churches, and (sighs) very few were paid for anything that they were doing. Their jobs ranged from playing the piano, directing the choir, directing the children's ministry, women's ministry, greeter, um, you know, newsletters, newspaper, you know, the the emails. Uh, Some of them were the church secretary that would answer the phone. Uh, There was a category that just said odds and ends. And I had women put right like, you're the one taking out the trash, cleaning the toilets, doing all the things. And they just, these are women that, that just jump in wholeheartedly with their husbands and serve. Um, only 11% had ever even taken one class. Wow, Tara. And so the majority that of our so ministry wives were trained just by fire. You know, really, wow. they, they were trained just by jumping into the ministry with their husbands and experiencing what it's like. 65% of the ladies said that they were trained by women's Bible studies like Beth Moore and mm-hmm. Kay Arthur and Noah Shire. Because so awesome. um, that's the only training that they had had. And I so praise God for it. I finished my dissertation in October of 2018 and I sent my research to the six Southern Baptist seminaries just saying, Here's what your graduates and their spouses are saying and what they desire and never dreaming in a million years that nine months later, we would be at New Orleans Seminary and I would have the opportunity to build an entire program for our spouses and our ministry wives based on my research. And so that's how Thrive was born. Thrive, a ministry wives certificate program, was born out of my dissertation and my research. And I used what those pastor's wives had told me to create eight classes for ministry wives. And we've got about 70 ladies in the program right now. We have 20 that are on campus with us. We have about 50 that join us online um, and log in live to the class um, from all over the United States. And so you don't have to be a student spouse at New Orleans Seminary to take these classes, but it's open to any ministry wife. And we cover everything from what does it mean to be called to ministry, to how do you share your testimony, to what are the spiritual disciplines? How do you understand the grand narrative of 
scripture? How do you teach the Bible? How do you counsel another woman? How do you forgive when somebody hurts you? How do you deal with conflict resolution and peacemaking in your church? Um, How do you share the gospel in 30 seconds or less? And so we cover just a variety of topics because my goal is, is to give them a feast and a buffet of a lot of different topics that they might experience in a church. And then they can kind of sample all these different things. And if they want to study more, they can enroll in another degree program. But I just want to give them a little sample of things so that they're not overwhelmed or blindsided by the expectations that they'll find in a church. Because I believe wholeheartedly that if a pastor's wife or a ministry wife feels encouraged and equipped and supported, then she's going to continue to support her husband in ministry, which means he'll stay in the ministry, which means our churches will be healthier and we'll have lights in the communities. And so my goal and my job, I feel like, is to just come alongside pastor's wives and let them know they're not alone and that there is encouragement and support for them in what God has called them to do. Well, there's so much there. Missy, were you going to jump in and say something? Go ahead. Well, you know what I was going to say was, I remember... um, Terry, you your this is not the first time you've kind of built curriculum for women around education. And in the past, what I know of wasn't specifically for wives; it was just for women. Like women come be discipled, and I think that there's something beautiful about the idea, and I think encouraging. I would hope encouraging to our listeners, whether you're a pastor's wife or not. If you're a woman and you're sitting in a space and you see a need, let's meet it. And that's, you know, everyone's not going to be able to go get their PhD to go meet it. And everyone's not going to have research from 700 churches, but praise God you have. So how do we, I, I guess my question for you is what prompted you to say, I can do this. Let, I, let's create yes. curriculum. Let's, you believe you it. could. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Because I think that's, that that's the first thing, whether a wife or just a woman sitting in church and saying, there's nothing here for these ladies. That's right. I can do it. Maybe God could use I, me. Yeah. I think it comes down, honestly, y'all, to believing God that he'll do what he says he will do. God does Mm. not waste any spiritual gifts. Mm -hmm. God gives spiritual gifts to the believers to build up his church. And so if you are a woman listening to this today, I want you to know that God has uniquely gifted you. He has created you in his image and in his likeness, and he has gifted Mm -hmm. you with a spiritual gift and eyes to see. And so wherever you find yourself, look around you. How does God want you to serve with the gift that he has given you to build up his kingdom and his body? And then trust him for that. Believe him in that he is going to be with you. He is going to give you what you need to do what he's calling you to do. But it's not really about us. It's about mm-hmm. him. It's about his kingdom. It's about building up and encouraging those that are around us. And so, I mean, Missy, you're exactly right. In my local church, I designed a curriculum for women, whether single or married. Now I, I'm getting to pour into pastors' wives, but I spend almost every weekend or every week teaching to different women's groups, you know, in churches. And so yes. don't limit God. Yes. To- Amen a certain box, you know, ask him, how do you want me to use the gift you've given me to bless your body and to build your kingdom? How do you want me to make your name known? How do you, how can 
use me for your glory. And then just watch him as he does it and trust him. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> so good. And so whatever God's calling you to do, it's not for you to keep it to yourself. Uh, it's for yes. you to build. Tara, did you even know you were good at building programs? No. <laughs> you just tried That's it. That's a good question, though. That's a good question. You just, no. Yeah. No. You just gave it a shot, and then God did the rest. That's right. You know, it started with, I want women to know the Word of God. I want them to know how to read and study their Bibles and learn who this God is that loves them so much and wants to get to know them. I want them to know just basic theology of the attributes of God and His kingdom and His rule and His reign. And so it really started with that. And then as I started teaching women the Bible, then it realized, okay, I've got to get them to know what are their spiritual gifts and then how can they use the spiritual gifts to bless the Bible? And then how do they be, be trained to disciple somebody else? And then how do they share their faith with somebody who's lost? I mean, so it really stems from this just abiding with the Lord, this, this, the word of Christ dwelling in you richly and then overflowing and bearing this fruit that comes. And so I just encourage ladies, be faithful where you are right now, be that, if you're in school, be that in your church, in your workplace, in any ministry, in your neighborhood, in your community, you are in ministry because you are a follower of Christ. And so dwell in him richly. Let the word of God dwell in you richly and stay connected to that vine. And then the fruit just will come. And women are hungry for that. And so God will naturally do things out of an overflow of his word. Amen. So as you were sharing about the surveys you took with these 711 women across this mm -hmm. span of churches, I was just thinking about your findings and how much value these mm -hmm. women are providing to the local church. And mm -hmm. they are really the unsung heroes, because if you go on Twitter you know, we are constantly inundated with the Twitter wars of gender issues and, you know, who can do what in the church and, and all of these things. And then here you have this army of women who just love the Lord and who are probably not even on Twitter. And I think it's so, so telling. It's just like God. It's just like his kingdom to say, you know what? I'm going to use these women. Nobody knows their names. These 700 women they probably don't have a huge following. They're not major influencers. Yet these are the women on the front lines of the local church doing his work. And they said, you know what? It's not for my glory. It's for his. I'm willing to jump in and serve and take out garbage and greet. And those are the things that it gives me chills talking about it because, you know, you think about oh, yes. who's going to be first in the kingdom of heaven. It's these women. Oh, yeah. It's these right. women who are invisible yet God sees and God's using oh, them. And I want to encourage the women that are listening that you make up over half of the body of Christ. And the Imago Dei is beautiful when 
the women and the men working alongside yes. together as the body of Christ are flourishing and thriving and using their gifts and their strengths and their talents to further his kingdom, not their own. And it's so antithetical to what this world values and what this world highlights. I mean, we like numbers. We love platforms. Yes. We love being known. We love being recognized for what I do. But in God's economy, he says <laughs> that the least Right? right? The poor in spirit, the humble will inherit the earth, the meek will inherit the earth. You know, those who are exalted will be humbled and those who humbled are be exalted. And, and I think so often in Christian circles, we put up on pedestals and platforms, people that actually aren't looking all that much like Jesus. You know, yeah. he says he came to serve and not be served. And so as Christians, we should be noticed by our service. We should be the biggest servant leaders of all. And um, I love a quote by Jen Wilkin when she says that women are essential and indispensable allies. Amen. Because I truly believe that's what women are in the church. Our pastor's wives, our lay women, our Sunday school teachers, our children's workers, those are biblical women who who just day in and day out, week in and week out, are faithful to serve His church. You know, Jesus loves His church. We yeah. love it too. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. the woman who is rocking a baby in the nursery <laughs> or the woman who's teaching the women's Bible study, the woman who's greeting at the front door or the one who's serving at a funeral and, and preparing meals for people who are hurting, yes. those who are changing diapers in the nursery or those who are singing their heart outs in the choir— you are serving Jesus by serving his church. And what you're doing is an essential and an indispensable part of his kingdom. And so I think we need to change our perspective and start looking like God does. He values servant leaders and our reward will not come on this earth. It's going to come when we're in heaven. But knowing that as we serve the least of these, we're serving him and throughout history, Woman after woman after woman has done that. And some of their names we know and some we don't know. But I'll tell you, some of the women that have made the biggest difference in my life never have no names that will be known on Twitter. Right. And so Amen. may we remember that if you can make a difference in one child's life or one woman's life or one person's life, then your life values and matters for the kingdom. Tara, so, uh, so you and I work at... We're both at sister seminaries. I'm at Southeastern Seminary in Wake Forest, and you're at Nobbits. And we have had the privilege of being in under the leadership of men who feel like training women mm -hmm. is important, is yeah. valuable to the kingdom, is uh, a thing that they want to throw resources behind. So there at Nobbits, you're actually an adjunct professor at the yeah. seminary, which I think is incredible. What are um, what do you teach, and what? Tell a little bit about what the women's program is like and what types of ministries are women being prepared for there at Nobbits? So we have women in a lot of different degree programs here. We have an initiative called Prepare Her. So our um, slogan for the seminary is prepare here, serve anywhere. And in part of that, we really want to prepare her, whoever that her may be. So in our initiatives, we have female students, everything from certificate level students all the way up through doctoral students. 
We have student spouses that come with their husbands to seminary. We have staff women. We have faculty women. We have wives of staff, wives of faculty. So we just say prepare Mm. her because whoever that her is, we want to come alongside you and prepare you for what God's calling you to. And so we have women in every degree program. Like I said, we have specific degrees specific to women in ministry to women where they take classes for those specifically called to minister to women. But we have other women who are doing New Testament studies and Old Testament studies and philosophy mm. and counseling and Christian education and history and theology. I mean, so we have women um, in every degree program. We actually have 27% of our student body is female right now, and we have wow. 14 elected faculty members that are female. And so God is doing wow. a really neat work among our ladies um, who are called to serve Him in some of the darkest places. And so women... Um, after they do degrees, we have women serving in a variety of roles. Some of them are serving in churches on church staff. Some of them are going to the mission field as missionaries. We send out a lot of counselors from our counseling department. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of women who are serving in education roles in churches, be that discipleship, children's ministry, youth ministry, women's ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, have people being trained in worship to go out and serve as in churches as worship leaders. I mean, so really any area that you'll find mm-hmm. yourself in, um, in a church, we have women being prepared to do that. Uh, we are we are complementarian. We stick by uh, the statements um, that the Southern Baptist Convention holds for us. So that is how we teach and how we prepare our women. But we do believe that women are a vital role in churches, that they play a vital role in churches. And so we are called to just come alongside them and train whoever the Lord sends to us from the Southern Baptist churches. And we're seeing our alumni do some amazing things. So, I mean, just to give you an example of some of our alumni, what they're doing here in the city. One of our alumni is the executive director of a community center for life, a pregnancy resource center. Wow. Alumni who are serving um, as port chaplains, talking to seafarers on cruise ships, Mm. cargo ships. We have um, one of our alumni who serves as the director of our Baptist Friendship House. That is a house for trafficked women that are coming out of the sex trafficking industry. She disciples the mayor. We have women who are in counseling programs for addiction for alcoholism and drug addiction. We have women who are doing homeless ministry where they're serving the homeless. It's called Grace at the Green Light here in the city where they're serving them a meal 365 days a year. We have women who are serving in ESL and refugee ministries here in the city where they're helping. So I tell women all the time, don't limit God. Yes. Trust Him. If He's calling you to prepare, then you come and you study and then you trust Him for what He's going to do because you don't know what that ministry is going to look like, but I'll tell you this, God's using women in a mighty way here in New Orleans, in our states, in our country, and around the world. I love it. Well, I just love that the Lord is using you as an adjunct professor there at the seminary, but also through Thrive. And I was even thinking, you know, these these spouses that you are equipping how through, through the Thrive um, initiative mm-hmm. that you're doing right. specifically— the value of helping these pastors' wives who you said only, what, 11% had ever taken a seminary class or any type of equipping for the ministry, right. which is mind-blowing. What a preparation for them to, I mean, guys, the three of us have been in ministry for a while. You know, our husbands are in ministry. 
How many times have we been blindsided in ministry where you literally did not see that coming? Yes. Oh, over and over. And I just thank God that you've established this program there for these women to have a sense of what they're getting into. So they're just prepared and not blindsided. You know, those disappointments can sink you. And if you are not, like you said, abiding and walking and have some sense of foundation of, whoa, okay, this happens. (laughs) Here's how I can move forward. But the other thing I think, Tara, that you're offering these pastor's wives is community. Because how lonely can it be sometimes in the ministry where, you know, your husband's the lead guy or even just he's on staff and you really don't have a safe place. And so I just... I love that you're doing Thrive. I love that you're actually teaching in the seminary. It's amazing. Okay. Yeah, and I didn't get to share with you. Like this semester, I'm getting to teach a biblical womanhood. We're using the book Worthy by Elise Fitzpatrick. <laughs> oh, yes. I know y'all love them. <laughs> We're looking at women. So this is actually for college and seminary students. This is not Thrive, but I get to teach it this semester. I'm looking at women from Genesis to Revelation and how God has used them throughout redemptive history. It's been so beautiful, but I love it. I absolutely love just teaching women, whether they're spouses and pastor's wives, whether they're students themselves, to look at the beauty of our God and love Him more. I tell my students at the beginning of every class, I want us to stir our affections for our God. And that when we leave this class, I want us to love Him more than we did when we came in here. Because I think when we study His Word, we should just see the beauty of our God. And, um, And that transforms our lives and helps us continue when things get hard. And when ministry can be tough or when those unexpected things happen. And so it's a beautiful thing to have a community. It really is. Tara, you know what I was just going to say, just just to that one point, I have been a pastor's wife. I, we planted a church. And I think now that there was no vision for training for me and the other pastor's wife. And it wasn't because of some, you're not important or you don't, it doesn't matter what you do, but there wasn't a vision for, you probably need to have some classes. You probably need to have some undergirding. There probably needs to be a thought process about the things that you're going to say and not say as you jump in to lead. And, um, I say this a lot to the ladies I disciple, but I've heard myself say a lot of stupid stuff in this life. <laughs> and now I just want to say Jesus. That's all I want to say. And so I think it's such, it really does knowing God's word, but not just the, the kind of knowledge that we pick up from a, a glance at the Bible here and there and for 10 minutes, but knowing God's word is literally both a tool and a lifeline. It is. It, is. it really it is. is. For sure. For sure. Well, Tara, one of the things that I have noticed just from following you on social media these last several months is, A, how much traveling you and the other doctor do, actually do. (laughs) You're traveling a ton, but you are also hosting a ton of people in your home. And I have to tell you, your personality and just you in general are so warm and so accessible and inviting. People... I mean, I can only imagine what it is to have a meal in your home, how loved you would feel just sitting at your table. But I got to tell you, I'm looking at you doing this and I'm like, how does she do this? Because (laughs) when we, Missy and I think we've talked about this before, when we have people in our home, 
it is like a level of stress that comes over me because I want to provide something special. I want to go above and beyond in some way to make those people feel completely loved and special. But you have really found, it seems to be a rhythm Oh, yeah. And a sort of line there of like, wow, okay, you got to help us out. Tell us, how are you thinking through this in a way that you are not completely stressed and that is true service to them? Yeah, we need tips. Yes. Well, I think for many years, we have thought that hospitality needs to be perfect and that it needs to be this clean home that has everything in its place. And you need this three course meal set on China plates with a pretty centerpiece. And I really like to think of hospitality rather as opening your heart, your home and your life to others. And basically, It's just letting people see God's faithfulness to you. You see, when hospitality is about the perfect centerpiece and the perfect table, the spotlight really is on you and Mm. your home and your table and the food you're cooking. But I think true biblical hospitality, the spotlight is on God because they can see his faithfulness to you. So as you open your home and your life and your heart to others, that can look different. That can look like meeting a friend at a coffee shop and listening and investing in them and just opening your hearts. And because love these days is spelled T-I-M-E, right? So if people are kind to somebody, then that really shows some love. Yes. Could be letting them come in when you've got dirty dishes in the sink and you're serving a meal on a paper plate, but God's provided food for you. Why not share it with them? You know, I love it. Um, And then, yeah, it's just being intentional to reach out and invite people. There is something really special that happens when you sit at a table with people and break bread together. And I think it was a a formula that the early church did. I mean, you see in Acts chapter two, where they were just daily breaking bread together. And there's something really powerful that happens when we sit down at a table with other people. And uh, one day, if I have time, I'd love to even look at food through scripture, because I think that... Mm -hmm. Time, there's a food. I mean, there there was food in the Garden of Eden. There's going to be a feast in Revelation. Yes, I think yes. God values food hmm. and the ministry yes. of food. And so I, more than anything, I, I want people to be full when they leave me. I want them to be their heart to be full, their tummy to be full. <laughs> um, and and I just want I just want them to see God's goodness to us. I want them to taste yes. God's goodness, um, and then leave knowing I, I can have that same God. I can have that same thing with God. And so, um, so I mean, you know, our home is not perfect. You'll come and you'll see dust places. You're going to see piles. Uh, You might see dirty dishes in the sink and crumbs on the counter. But I'll tell you, this is a home where six people live. And uh, we often say that it is clean enough uh, to be healthy, but dirty enough to be happy. And so uh, (laughs) come into a magazine because that's not real, but people do want just real community where the spotlight is on God's faithfulness. And so no matter how big your house is, no matter what good of a cook you are, no matter how busy your schedule is, I just want to encourage you, hospitality is a command in scripture. We are commanded to show biblical hospitality to others. So good. And part of how we do that, part of how we love one another is by sharing meals together. And so don't be afraid. Order a pizza and share pizza together. Go to Costco and get a chicken pot pie and a salad. Yes. You know, go pick up chicken yes. pie. It doesn't matter. Or make your favorite meal or do a crock pot meal. I mean, honestly, don't let the expectations of perfectionism mm-hmm. 
keep you from obeying God's command. Yes. And so I think that you'll find that as you do open your heart to other people, open your lives to other people, open your homes to other people, um, there's something really special that happens there. And it's God's God's way. It's his methods and his methodologies that he told us. <laughs> I love it. And so as his followers, we just have to be obedient to that. And I'll tell y'all, God takes care of so many other things and we just show love to people. And um, as you express your love for them by having them in your home or by meeting them for coffee, they're going to see a side of God that they might never have seen before. And mm-hmm. I think as we show his beauty and his goodness to other people, they're drawn to him more than any evangelistic tactics we could use, more than any argument that we could espouse from philosophy. They they just, if they feel loved, you'll be able to share the gospel with them. So and true. so use your homes and your lives to do that. That's so good. Well, Tara, man, I feel like we could talk forever. This is so good. But we have to close. But as we close, what Courtney and I really like to do is ask for um, one piece of advice that you would leave women who want to honor God through their vocational calling. Mm -hmm. I would say, ladies, two words. Be faithful. Be faithful. I think um, we can grow old in Christ. We can become professional Christians. We start knowing all the things that we need to check off a checklist to do. Uh, We can come up with all these formulas, but more than anything, I think God just is asking us, would you be faithful to me today? Mm -hmm. So as you start your day, ask God, who do you want me to talk to today? Who do you want to sh- me to show love to today? That's Who good. do you want me to encourage today? What ministry are you giving me today? And then be faithful to walk in obedience to that. When he gives you an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody, take it. When he gives you the opportunity to love somebody, take it. When you have the opportunity to speak hope and life and encouragement to somebody, take it and just be faithful today. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. What is God asking you to do today? So be faithful. Be faithful in your walk with Him. Choose Him over sin. Choose His Word over your phone. Choose to abide deeply in Him and be faithful in your walk to Him. Be faithful to your husband. Love him today. Text him today. Show him your love today. Be faithful to your children. How do they need to know the love of your God to them? Be faithful to your workplace. Be a hard worker be faithful to your church, love the church like God does. But bottom line, ladies, we've just called to be faithful. Be faithful today. Mm, Thank you, Tara. Very encouraging. So encouraging. (laughs) Absolutely, ladies. It is a joy to be with you. And I am so, so thankful for the two of you, for women in work, for women who are making a difference all Mm -hmm. over this world and this country. And so, ladies, God sees what you are doing. God values what you are doing. You are so important to Him. And so just be faithful where He has you today. Thank you, Tara. Well, and that is a wrap. Thank you so much. This has just been a true pleasure and encouragement to my soul. Yes, ma'am. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to check out our website at womenwork.net for today's show notes. There will be more information about today's conversation there. 
And while you're there, we'd be honored for you to partner with us financially. If this podcast or really any of the content Women in Work produces has been a source of inspiration and encouragement to you. Women in Work is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization, so all your donations are fully tax deductible. If you enjoyed this episode and don't want to miss another one, please subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also love for you to take a minute to rate and review our show so that more listeners can find us. And with that, we hope you've been inspired to more confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. See you next time.